The Expats will be celebrating its second birthday and the beginning of its third year in June of this year. We've covered a lot of ground in the almost two years we've been kicking out episodes, but there are so many more stories to collect and share with the world about the huge variety of Canadian expat experiences. If you've been thinking, man, I'd really like to share my story, please reach out to us. And if you know someone who's living in another country who you think has some experiences worthy of a brief transcontinental chat, let them know about the expats. We would love to speak with them. Have them send us a message at info at expatspodcast.ca and we'll get the ball rolling. And if you're interested in learning the ins and outs of podcast creation and production and you live in Western Canada, well, you're in luck. Saturday, May 6th is the first ever Pod Summit in Calgary, Alberta. At Pod Summit, you'll connect with other podcasters and learn about how to start podcasting, where to get recording gear, how to do audio production, content creation, and audience building. And hey, the expats will be there talking all about how to conduct outstanding interviews. Visit podsummit.com for more information and to buy your tickets. The event's early bird tickets are all sold out, but there are still regularly priced tickets available. That's podsummit.com. And now, on with the show. Spain, or the region of Iberia, as it was known in ancient times, used to be a land populated by the Celts, Iberians, and Basque, until the Romans conquered the region during the Punic Wars. You can chart the country's history from there, to its conquest by the Germanic peoples and by the Moors from Northern Africa in the Middle Ages. Like most European nations, Spain's history is one of wars and conquests. And given that history, it's fairly unsurprising that the Spanish would eventually go on to conquer other territories around the globe, particularly the Americas. Whether you're familiar with the details, you've no doubt heard of the Spanish Inquisition and the Spanish Civil War. If you look at the long-term historical record, even accounting for the recent Spanish financial crisis and the movement toward Catalan independence, the politics of Spain sound tumultuous. Spain has given the world a lot, sometimes by force. But now you might think of the country as a land of fine wines, welcoming people, and delicious tapas, especially when you think of travel. And most people who travel to Spain make sure that when they do so, they check out Barcelona, a world city with a huge architectural and artistic claim to fame. And we could talk about that this episode, but we won't. Instead, we're going to take a deep dive into the culture and language of Spain and Barcelona. Join me as I find out about life for a Canadian trying to learn several languages so she can get by on the expats. Welcome to the Expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Jane Morrison fell in love. She and her partner, both pursuing PhDs, decided to take their educations and their relationship to Barcelona. 
I, I've had many experiences living abroad in the past. Well, a few, actually. I've lived in France when I was quite young. I lived in Australia when I was a university student. And then I had a really interesting experience living in Israel when I was doing my master's. So I already had a bit of the travel bug and a desire to live abroad. And after I finished my master's, I was thinking about the possibility of doing a doctoral degree. And my supervisor was really recommending to me that I go do one in Europe because it's a bit of a more streamlined process. So it doesn't take quite as many years. And so this was appealing to me because I did also like the idea of living abroad. And sort of in parallel with this thought process, I had fallen in love. (laughs) And my new boyfriend had already signed a contract to start his PhD in Barcelona. So it didn't take long for me to make the decision that I would also look to see if I could find a PhD program in Barcelona and come with him and have that experience with him. And so, you know, it was actually a very long, stressful experience looking for a PhD and applying and applying for funding and not knowing if the relationship would work. But, uh, you know, all in all, everything worked out really well, and I found a program that really appealed to me, which was really important, because if I was going to embark on a several-year experience in academia, I wanted it to be something that would that I was really passionate about. I wasn't just going to take anything that came my way just to, just to live here. So I got really lucky, and I found something that I was really passionate about, and I got funding. And yeah, we were able to come here together and share the experience. And it's been really, we've been really grateful to have one another. And we felt really lucky that everything worked out in the end. Well, that's great. It, it sounds like you have no desire to be that sort of trailing spouse that, uh, that many people become when a partner gets an opportunity mm-hmm. abroad. Yeah, I think there were moments when I was worried that it wouldn't work out for me here and I thought about the alternatives and there was just nothing no end result that seemed right for me in that scenario yeah no that's fair that's completely understandable now uh, you're a seasoned traveler you've been a lot of different places did you experience any kind of uh, culture shock when you arrived in Barcelona Yeah, sure. It was really interesting. I had never been to Spain at all before making the decision to move here. So I arrived with all my stuff to live here permanently without having any sort of experience in the country. Um, I, I had a little bit of experience with Spanish before. I took just a beginner's course before arriving, but that does not at all prepare you for (laughs) speaking and getting along in the streets. So I think language-wise, it was a bit of a shock. One, One thing I found really difficult when I first arrived was knowing where to buy things. I think, you know, I was so used to going to the shopper's drug mart and just buying whatever I needed. And then I I soon realized that you have to go to a different store to buy every little thing. And I would find myself, you know, for hours just wandering the streets trying to find what it was I was looking for. Usually (laughs) I would never find it. Oh, no. (laughs) You find something else that that can, you know, substitute for what you're actually looking for. So does that mean that, like, the idea of, you know, uh, supermarkets and even big box stores doesn't really exist where you're living? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, on the periphery of the city, you're starting to see more uh, like mall type 
centers where you'll find stores that are a bit more big box. But I think this is pretty new and not really well accepted by the community. Yeah, they're used to like small bodegas and, and you know, little uh, specialty stores, I would imagine. Exactly. So they're totally comfortable shopping in that manner. And, you know, they don't need to visit a big box store for them. They don't miss it because they know where exactly to get everything. And they're familiar with the products that they find in those stores. So were, were the, the townspeople helpful in directing you to find what you needed? Or was it really kind of up to you to make your way? Oh, I think it depended, like, with the language and with me not necessarily having the vocabulary for some specific thing I was looking for. <laughs> it could be quite uh, frustrating. Yeah, I can imagine. So you, you arrive there, you, you're starting to figure things out, you get settled. Did you have a place to stay immediately when you arrived? Yeah, so my boyfriend came several months before me, so he had already found a place. He had... He had his own struggles with that, but he found a place, and so I was able to integrate into his life pretty seamlessly, especially because he also had made friends, and he had, you know, he had also got a bit of a footing on where to get things and how things work and that sort of thing. Yeah. Now, you, you mentioned uh, when you messaged me to uh, to be on the show that uh, it's been a great experience, but there have been some some other challenges, and I think one of the things you highlighted is that you're living in a very touristy place. And so it's easy probably for the locals to mistake you for a tourist. How has that impacted the way that you live? So I think there are benefits and there are drawbacks. And, you know, of course, there's a reason why the tourists want to come. It's beautiful and the architecture is stunning and you're really centrally located in Europe. And because of that, there's a lot of expats as well as tourists. So we've been able to make a lot of friends within the expat community where we can communicate in English or in French, which we both speak. And so this has been, in some sense, it's been more of an easier transition socially, at least. Mm -hmm. But after kind of getting comfortable and getting rooted within the city, we started to feel like we wanted to integrate more fully into the local culture. And this proved to be pretty difficult for us, at least. And I think one of the main struggles was making lasting and meaningful friendships with the locals or maybe integrating within the social programming and or volunteering or just having like playing a role within the community. Yeah. And I think this was difficult for us here specifically because Barcelona is part of Catalonia. So they speak Catalan as well as Spanish. Okay. And and because there are these two languages, I truly feel if you want to truly be integrated within the culture of Barcelona, you really have to speak both languages because in any given moment, you could be thrown into a situation where one language is predominating over the other and you have to sort of navigate your way through that situation. Yeah. And because the Catalan culture is similar to the Quebec culture in Canada in the sense that they really want to preserve the culture and the language and there are also, there's a large um, part of the population that want to separate from Spain. So you have that sort of conflict. And because of all that, there's a strong emphasis on maintaining the language of Catalan. So in many situations, you'll find yourself in, in an, for example, a workshop or some sort of course that you want to take on the side. And it's going to be in Catalan because of that emphasis to preserve the language. So, you know, I put in a lot of time and effort to learn Spanish, but then 
you know, it's it would take so much more effort to learn a second language, and many people do that, and that's I think that's really wonderful. But for for me personally, I haven't quite had the time to do that. So because of that, I felt maybe as though I was kind of just one layer deep in society rather than fully integrated. Sure, and and is Catalan is it very different from Spanish? Like, I mean, is it as different from from Spanish as English is from French? Yeah. I, no, it's not so different, but as as someone who's, well, in my place and speaks Spanish as well as French, because Catalan is said to be a mixture of French and Spanish, oh, okay. because Catalonia is located between Spain and France, mm-hmm. so the language is a bit of a mixture of the two, and, and when you hear it, you might even be able to recognize that, but somehow it's very hard to understand, even <laughs> for someone who speaks both of those languages. So, yeah... It, Usually people, me and my peers, who are also Spanish speakers, but are not native Spanish speakers, usually we struggle to understand. Yeah. And and are, are the people who speak Catalan, are they more, are they accommodating of that? Or are they so focused on preserving culture that they become bristly when you are unable to communicate with them in their language? Yeah, it, I mean, it's a real mixture. You, like in many situations, they try to accommodate and they try to speak Spanish because you do, in Barcelona, you do have people that are there from other parts of Spain as well as from Mexico and from uh, like other Spanish-speaking countries. So in many situations, they really try to maintain it, but it often you'll have a situation where it's everything starts in Spanish and throughout the evening or throughout the hour, it just slowly transitions into Catalan, which happens more times than not. <laughs> wow, that sounds like it'd be really challenging to try yeah, to well, understand. Like, for example, me and my partner, we decided to take some dance lessons. We were learning to do swing dancing and they, they told us that it would be in Spanish and it wouldn't be a problem. And so sure enough, the first day they started the course in Spanish and all was well. And and the next week, it was like half Spanish, half Catalan. And the third week, it was mostly Catalan. And then week four, it was just pure Catalan with no sort of apologies at all. <laughs> so did you actually learn how to dance properly? Then? No, no. And now we're a little bit uh, jaded about dancing. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I mean, I can understand how that would make you feel like an a bit of an outsider because you've made this effort to 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 learn one of the languages and and you discover that there's this sort of other you said layers there's this other layer. Yeah. And uh so I can imagine some frustration but but is that is that something that is sort of predominant in your minds or is it just something you've learned to cope with? Yeah, exactly. Like you totally learn to cope with it and you learn how to maneuver in those situations and you learn, you you just become comfortable in where you lay in society. And I think maybe in the, because I've been here for just over four years, I think in the initial periods, this was something that maybe I found to be more challenging, but over the years you just come to realize that that is the way it is and you come to appreciate your life regardless of that. And and yeah, you just make it work. Yeah, that's that's actually a really interesting insight because uh, it's it's something that I feel that a lot of expats have have had to come to terms with. There's one or two or three things that they just can't seem to adapt to, and in some cases, it's you know 
um, dealing with the government bureaucracy. I've heard a lot of interviews where people have said, it's just different. It's not efficient. You have to bribe people or, you know, so it's like yeah. this, this extra interesting layer of experience for you. Absolutely. And well, and the longer time goes on, the more you just, it becomes your normal, right? So yeah, exactly. So you don't even think about it anymore. Well, I mean, that's good that, that it's something you've figured out how to maneuver around. You did mention that there is a fairly large contingent of expats in Barcelona. Are we talking a lot of Canadians or just a lot of folks from everywhere? Yeah, no, folks from everywhere. And that's one thing I really love about this experience and living here is we have friends from literally all over the world. And, you know, in what, any given situation, sometimes I step back and sort of scan the crowd, like if, if, if I'm at a party or out for dinner with friends. And I just kind of acknowledge all of the different countries that are being represented in the room. And it's astounding. This experience has been a lot about meeting people from other cultures and learning about other cultures, not just Spanish as well, learning about the people that I am hanging out with, about their lives and about what they, how, their traditions and how they do things as well. Yeah, that's cool. And, and the, the folks that you've met who are uh, Spanish natives, are they, are they, you know, very welcoming of other cultures? What, what's their opinion even of Canadians? I, I think in general, they're very welcoming. the language is always a bit of an issue because expats tend to speak Spanish here. And there are many people that would really prefer not to speak Spanish, many Catalans who would prefer not to speak Spanish. So sometimes there's a bit of a language barrier and, and, and some of them speak English so you can communicate that way. But I mean, in general, people are very welcoming of Canadians or people from other countries and they want to learn and, yeah, just like anywhere. Yeah. Do do they know about how handsome our prime minister is? <laughs> oh gosh, I've heard <laughs> a lot about it. <laughs> I'm sure you have. Do they is <laughs> is North American politics something that that you're finding European people even pay attention to, especially in light of what happened in the United States during their presidential election? Oh yeah, big time. It, it's almost um, it's almost a shame because it's. Just as much as it's the number one topic of conversation in North America, it's the number one topic of conversation here. It, it dominates the news feed, even amongst a very international Facebook friend group, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you can't escape it, that's for sure. Oh, that's too bad. Because um, I was hoping you'd have some advice on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you've been away, you've been in Spain for, you said, just about four years. Yeah. Uh, and... Is there anything that you really miss from being in Canada that you maybe you can't get in Spain? And I don't mean just friends and family. We know you miss them. But uh, I don't know. Are there any like consumer products or or little creature comforts that you can't find where you are? I think the main one is seasons. I'm the changing seasons. I mean, fall specifically is something that I yearn for tremendously. <laughs> Uh, um, I've listened to a few of your other podcasts and I've heard people talk about how like there's one thing that the visitors who come to visit it's an imperative that they bring and for us it's maple syrup oh really yeah and um, I, you know I used to really miss to go filter coffee that was oh. a big one and then I, I was home last summer for a visit and it, within the first few days, I was going to Tim Hortons, and I was so excited about it. 
And after like a couple of weeks, I realized I wasn't really going anymore. And so I realized it was more so kind of like the idea of it or the tradition of it. It wasn't so much like the coffee itself that I missed. It was maybe more, maybe just the fact that it was something that was so purely Canadian that I held on to. That's really interesting because if you look at Tim Horton's advertising, they're not like try our amazing coffee. It's more like there's nostalgia associated with our oh, brand. Yeah. That's cool. Totally. Yeah. So, is there anything else that you're finding that you uh, that you really miss? Hmm. I think. I mean, coming back to culture and coming back to language. I think I miss walking into just a store and being able to make small talk on a really subtle le- level in a way that I'm having just a quick connection with somebody passing by me. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I can still make small talk here. I can still have short conversations, but it's, to me, it seems to be a bit more forced. Whereas I noticed in Canada, the last time I was there, it was something that was just very natural, just a touch of a connection during the day in a really, yeah, in a very natural way. Yeah. Now you're you're both working on on your PhDs, and you have you you're a seasoned traveler. Is your partner well traveled as well? Yeah, I think he had never lived abroad before, and that was something he really had wanted to do. So when I met him, it, he was very excited about the experience. Yeah. Now, does that mean that that you, after you're finished your your work at the university, will you? come back to Canada or do you think you'll pursue another expat experience armed with this knowledge that you're that you're developing yeah well actually we're this is a very relevant topic because we're both coming around to the end of our PhDs we're both in the middle of writing our thesis theses Mm -hmm. so we're talking a lot about the future and I mean the short future the what the next six months might hold for us and I think what we both agree upon is the fact that we want we want to be back in Canada for a little bit to touch base with our families and touch base with the sort of lives we can lead and living within our own culture within Canada and I'm sure that down the line we'll want to have another expat experience but maybe you know with intermittent stays in Canada in between to sort of balance out our different needs as human beings (laughs) fair enough totally and what about uh, advice that you might have for people who are interested in pursuing their own expat experience, either because they have an opportunity to go to school abroad, to work abroad, or just to do some adventure travel? What would you say to people about preparing for that experience? I think it's really important to come into the experience without any sort of fixed expectations. I think that any sort of travel experience can bring you a lot, a lot of perspective. It can teach you a lot of new things. You can learn a lot about yourself and about the world in general, but it maybe it's not what you're going there specifically looking for. And maybe it's not what you expected to get from the experience. So just to be kind of open-minded to what an experience can bring for you and how it can change you as a person and, and be open to the fact that that might come to you that might look different. Yeah, it might be different from what you originally expected. Yeah. Has, has there any been anything in your experience uh, on your current uh, expat experience that you weren't prepared for and you had to adapt to? Hmm. Other than the language thing, of course. I think, well, I don't really like tapas. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> which was like such a shame because it has really great reputation and everybody speaks of it very fondly. And I, you know, I just have not been able to embrace it. And I get, uh, once in a while I can go for it, especially if we have visitors who are here. But I was really disappointed that uh, I didn't enjoy it more. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I don't know. I, I'm sort of worried that it's going to come off a little bit pessimistic. But I, I've had a really wonderful experience, and it's totally changed my life. And I, I, I know that as soon as I go back to Canada and some time has passed, I'm going to look back on this time in my life with a lot of fondness. And so despite the sort of struggles I've had integrating in the culture and with the language, I'm very, very satisfied with my experience. And I'm very happy that I've able, been able to add a new language into my vocabulary and yeah I, and I would just really recommend people to kind of open their experiences and and see what other cultures are about and see how it can have a positive impact on their lives you know this basically we were it was just the start of our relationship when we moved here together so this will I'm sure this experience will play a very significant part in our history that concludes this episode of the expats if there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself. And let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. You can find the expats on Twitter at Expats Podcast and on Facebook by searching Expats Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the expats on the iTunes Music Store, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And please leave us a review. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks.